Welcome into the Card Chronicle podcast. It's Thursday, September 30th. Mike Rutherford here in Louisville, Kentucky. Danny Sennard in Columbus, Ohio. We're recording this uh, a little bit before noon, about 48 hours away from a monumentally important game all of a sudden for Louisville football against Wake Forest in Winston-Salem. We are, what, I guess two weeks away from the inter-squad scrimmage that Louisville basketball is going to hold to get ready for the season, about uh, what, almost a month away, a little bit over a month away from the start of the men's and women's basketball seasons. A lot of good stuff going on, a lot of uh, things to talk about when it comes to L sports. But before we get to any of that, this past weekend, Dan, you and I, you and I went on a golf trip. We were very excited about it. Galena, Illinois. Our some of our college friends do this every year. We've I've been able to go the last couple of years. You've been a few more times than I have. But this year we went on the last day of competition. You and I were paired together. We're on the same team. Two man scramble, big time match. Needed the three points for our side. And on the second hole, Dan, um, our second shot, I hit a, a nice little safe three wood up around the green. Nice little up and down for birdie. We were in good shape. Then it was your time to hit. And let's just come right out with it. You whiffed. I did. You swung and missed at age 36 in a professional <laughs> golf setting. And, um, you know, some people are calling it the Galena whiff. Some people are calling it the Midwest whiff. I don't, the the whiff heard round Galena. What do you have to say for yourself? Um, the fact that it was like dead center in the middle of the fairway obviously makes it worse. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think I'll ever get the image of our playing partners' faces like out of my head after I whiff. I it was one of those where I did it and I like turned around like. Knowing, like, probably everyone saw it, but I kind of just glanced over to see if anyone had. And your reaction was like, uh, did you just whiff? I like, didn't see it. I, I didn't see it. I was looking. I was walking back to, like, our cart, and I heard the sound of what was way too aggressive a swing to be a practice swing. And so I literally just whipped around. I was like, did you just whiff? I mean, look, we we played, what did we play, 72 holes. <laughs> there, there was, there was a period there from like l- late Friday night, early Saturday sessions that we played where I completely went off the rails. Like Chuck Knobloch can't throw the ball to first base <laughs> off the rails. Uh, like I'm very mentally soft and I don't know. It, it was, it was a very low moment for sure. Uh, I thought for sure, like, after that, my round was ruined, and I, I kind of pulled it together a little bit. You um, did. But, yeah, I mean, there's really nothing else to say. I'm 36, and I, I whiffed a ball uh, in the middle of a fairway, so uh, that probably should suspend me from playing golf for at least the rest of the year. Before Saturday, when do you think the last time that you had whiffed on a golf course had been? I, I, I was, like, thinking, like, maybe, I don't know. 15 years like maybe that's even like <laughs> it's gotta be longer than that yeah i was gonna say it's probably like when i was around like 15 or six so probably like i would say 20 years but i mean my god like i was in such a bad place going into the, like that round and i cannot believe it happened but um yeah i think we ended up winning the hole so thanks for carrying us there we did win the hole we won the match we uh we, we there was a Possibility to take as many as three points. You get one point for the front nine, one for the back nine, one for the full match. We took two and a half out of a possible three points in that match. Won the front, won the match, 
half of the back nine. So we held up our end of the bargain. Our team overall lost by a single point, came down to the last few rounds. That was kind of a bummer. But, I mean, your panic level the entire weekend was honestly off the charts. Like you, the first tee off was 8.03 on Friday. You got to the range approximately five hours before anybody else. You were down there all by yourself. Like literally, I put the picture on Instagram. You sprinted from breakfast by yourself to the range. Um, and then the next day, you, you kind of did it for the later rounds too. You left before anybody else did. Like you were just, you were very concerned. Uh, yeah, I mean, the first round, obviously, I knew everyone was going to be watching my tee shot because I was one of the first ones off, so I didn't want to make a fool of myself. Which Hit a great tee I, shot. I did. I hit right in the middle of the fairway. Um, and then the afternoon round was more for uh, – or the afternoon range session was just because of how lost my game was. Um, I, 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 had, I was searching for answers, and I wasn't finding them. But it, here's the deal. I suck at golf. I've accept, like we're trending in different directions. You seem to be getting better. I am slowly getting worse. I'm going to attribute it to my three kids. I sent my wife an unnecessary <laughs> hate text in the middle of one of my bad <laughs> rounds and said, I'm getting new clubs and I'm playing more next year. And I don't care what anybody says. I had to apologize. I had to apologize later. Um, but yeah, it's golf is. Uh, obviously, everyone knows it's one of those sports where th- when things aren't going well, I mean, it feels like the world is crashing around you. The other thing about the golf trip is like, we've had this circle on the calendar for so long, and I realized when we were making the, the very long drive home on Sunday, even though you had a, a longer drive than we did, um, but like it felt like an endless – you're just driving five hours through flat corn ground in Illinois. It was miserable. And it's setting in that like this was the only thing between me and baby number two, oh, yeah. which is now very real. Like, like it has fully set in that we've got four weeks basically left here to be the parent of a of, of one child. Boys coming fast. We found out this morning at the doctor that uh, everything's good. Head is down. He's he's ready to go. And if he doesn't come before October twenty seventh, that's going to be the eviction date. So. Circle that. We got uh, baby boy Rutherford coming to the world. It's going to be an October baby, and uh, it's it's real now. Uh, Do we know the Cards opponent around October twenty seventh? Oh, I looked it up because with Virginia, we like we brought her home on a Saturday, and it was the same day as the East. We played Eastern Kentucky in football. Like right when we walked in the door, two two out, we scored a touchdown. It was perfect. With this one, I'm trying to remember. Let me just look it up real quick. Um, October 30th, we play at NC State. Gotcha. It'll be between, hopefully we can get it between the Boston College and NC State game. And then, I guess, best case scenario, we'd be coming home right before the NC State game or maybe on that day. So um, I remember my my firstborn, Cam, was born right after the James Quick drop punt against Virginia. So uh bad vibes oh, coming out there and then my daughter lila was born the day before the uvl uk basketball game which quentin snyder crossed up uh bam at the yum center i remember so that, that. Good, yeah and then mal was late may in the pandemic so there's nothing going on so we're uh we're we're one for one and a half or three i guess i remember the rivalry baby because you texted me and you're like it's gonna be a rivalry baby we're going to the it was like 3 a.m we're going to the hospital and then, like, 10 minutes later, you and I were texting about whether or not we thought Ryan McMahon was going to play in the game. I'm like, yeah. I'm like is, Kim, is Kim going into labor right now? But, priorities, uh, priorities. 
it's weird when you say that the that Cam was born on the James Quick Virginia game because that seems like it was so long ago. But I feel like it hasn't been that long ago that you all were having your first kid. But man, time flies. Getting old sucks. I know. Seriously, it really does. All right, but we've got uh, plenty to talk about in the world of Cardinal athletics, and it's mostly positive now, which has been a rarity for this podcast, especially in recent months. But the cards. Uh, we were able to watch the game. I, I know you and I kind of wanted to. We watched the condensed version on YouTube too after getting home because we probably weren't in the proper state when we were in Illinois to really fully digest what happened. But the Cards get it done last weekend in Tallahassee, thirty-one twenty-three win. Kind of, I don't know, sort of a, a weird vibe after the game from a lot of Louisville fans, and I felt it on Monday too when I was doing the radio show. I think the overwhelming sentiment from Card fans is, look. We're three and one. We're one and zero in the ACC. We're not gonna. This was kind of the. This clearly it was the best case scenario after the disaster on Labor Day against Ole Miss. Um, you know, we thought that maybe this was possible, but it didn't seem likely. And now we're here. We should be over the moon enthusiastic. But the way that Louisville played in the second half, and specifically the way that the offense failed to move the ball against Florida State after being so dominant for the first two quarters kind of put a, a little bit of a bitter taste in your mouth, but I, I think still the positive outweighs the negative. You went down to Tallahassee. You were a one-point favorite. You won by eight. You looked like you could be a real threat to win the Atlantic Division for you know the first hour and a half of the game. Second hour and a half, we got to work on some things, but still, to me at least, positive far outweighs the, ne- the negative here. Yeah, I agree, and it was it was weird. Like When I got on Twitter after the game, um, not saying it wasn't positive. I mean, people were happy about the win, but there was some negativity thrown in there. And like my reaction was like, geez, we got, I mean, I know it's Florida State right now and this is the worst they've ever been, but you know, you pick up a, a conference win on the road. I'll take that anytime. But, and then I went and watched the game and I, I could start to understand like some of the fans sentiment there. I mean, that was a, and even in the condensed game, like I was like, I probably won't have a feel for the momentum shift here, but I totally did. It was like completely obvious that Florida State had all the momentum in the second half. So for us to kind of hold on there, I think that, I mean, that's, that's really big. That's just something to, that we can build off of, I think. And, um, I mean, this is, this is what we wanted. I mean, we're three and one right now. Uh, we, we have a huge game coming up. Um, you know, obviously the TV networks don't think so, but in, in, our, <laughs> eyes, in, in our eyes, we we're pretty excited for it. So, uh, it seems like, I don't know why I feel like Satterfield, this is like maybe one of the opponents that he plays well in the conference against. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens, but three and one and in, in the last three to four weeks, we've gone from kind of bad vibes only to, I mean, we're, we're starting to feel the good vibes again. Yeah. Wake Forest, because I'm with you, I don't have a whole lot more to say about the Florida State game. It's, it's kind of old news at this point. Attention has shifted to, to Wake Forest. The, the one thing I will say about FSU, I thought Malik Cunningham was, was fantastic. A little yeah. bit of a lull in the, in the second half, but I think that was more due to the fact that the, you know, the Florida State was ratcheting up its pressure and Louisville wasn't able to run the ball effectively, really outside of Malik. Jalen Mitchell did not have a great game. The O-line didn't create big holes. Um, Reese Berkeley did some good things, kind of as the, the bruising back. But I, I think that you're going to see Travion Cooley maybe get some more reps this weekend, assuming he's back to being fully healthy, because I think he gives you a little bit more of that element. He's closer to the player that Javian Hawkins was than uh, Mitchell is. He, he's more explosive. He has kind of that game-breaker ability. I think he's 
a, a better cutter than Mitchell is. So we'll see. I think the staff clearly needs more from the running back position than they've been getting the last couple of weeks. But Malik was great. Uh, Yasir Abdullah made some fantastic plays defensively. Trey Clark once again steps up when his team needs him the most. Jack Fago is fantastic at that card position. I uh, know he's a he's a podcast favorite. We love the Fagot. Um and James Turner, the unsung hero of this team, continues to just rip field goals through the uprights. Uh, I don't think we're respecting the fact that he's has the what fourth longest consecutive made field goal streak in, in Louisville football history, and a lot of these are coming from forty yards or more. And our boy Mark Mark, uh, Mark Bassett, the Australian punter, finally getting to show off that leg, booted a 76-yarder. So, again, I think the, the positive outweighed the negative from Saturday, even though that it was probably a little bit more antsy than it deserved to be down the stretch. But Wake Forest on Saturday, I feel like one of the kind of disappointing things about the move to the ACC is we haven't developed those types of organic rivalries that we thought were just going to happen naturally. Um, like we had with Marquette back in the day in Conference USA. But the closest we've gotten may be with Wake Forest, just because we've had these bizarre off-the-field things happen to one another, and we do have some on-field history that has been notable. Um, but, I mean, when you look at – I laid the full timeline out on Card Chronicle um, on, on Wednesday. It's one of the dumbest rivalries of all time because everything that happens it seems to have been blown out of proportion. You had the Matt Colburn – gray shirt deal where you know somehow every program every major program does the gray shirt deal but because Bobby Petrino did it I think it got a lot more attention and it got played up nationally and then Colburn lit us up basically throughout his Wake Forest career his last game he had 243 yards and three touchdowns or something absurd like that you had the the anonymous coach ripping Lamar Jackson uh, saying that he'll never be an NFL quarterback, he can't make the throws, he can't read defenses, and somehow it got back to Lamar that it was the Wake Forest coach, and Dave Clawson denied it vehemently. But um, it, and what I think happened there, it never really came out. It wasn't head coaches, or at least it wasn't all head coaches who were surveyed in that Athlon piece. I think it was a a Wake Forest coach who made that comment, but it wasn't the Wake Forest coach. So that's sort of where the confusion came about. Um, but anyways, fuck Wake Forest for that. Whoever said it d- doesn't deserve to be molding young minds. You've also had, I mean, Tim Duncan walked and fouled out against us in 1996, cost us a shot at, at Kentucky in the Elite Eight. That's a big deal. Um, but it just this little stuff, the, and then the Wakey leaks, of course, came out. Three programs involved. Somehow we're the only ones who get talked about. But it's just been these little kind of biting things between Louisville and Wake Forest. The games have been competitive more times than not. We played that fantastic 62-59 to game a couple of years ago in Winston-Salem. Our last win over a ranked team, our last road win over a ranked team as well. Um, and now we have an opportunity to do that again on Saturday. And it kind of feels like the Atlantic Division is more open than it's been since we joined the conference. Clemson has not been good. They lost last week to NC State. Wake Forest is 4-0 and ranked. We are 1-0 in the ACC. And whoever wins, I'm not going to say they have the inside track to winning the Atlantic Division, but they put themselves in good in a good position to at least be in that race for the next several weeks, uh, at least to the home stretch. Like, this is a this is a big-time game. I'm excited about it. Wake Forest fans annoy me. The program kind of annoys me. Their whole elitist academic deal really annoys me. They play it up when... The reality is nobody cares that much about Wake Forest as an academic institution, at least not when we're looking at it from a sports aspect. I don't know, man. Like I, I'm as excited for this game as I've been for a Louisville football game in a long, long time. I agree. And the thing is, 
I mean, we're not fooling anyone. The ACC is very down in football right now. Um, and the fact that Clemson is down is obviously it's good for us, but it's not helping the conference at all. Um, but I mean, the door is open right now. I mean, that, that, you couldn't ask for anything more. Uh, obviously if it was a home game, I'd probably be feeling a little bit better, but, uh, like you said, it seems like there's a lot at stake on Saturday. Um, yeah, and I don't know. I have kind of developed this hatred for Wake Forest, like you said. Um, I think one of the things that's weird about Wake Forest is they, they, I guess they've had like decent years the past, you know, maybe five, ten years. I know they've had some down years in there, but it's like a program that like never has a very identif- identifiable player. Like I can really yeah. not ever name a lot of their players, but I know that I hate Clawson um, a lot, so. <laughs> Uh, that makes it easy to root against, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, twelve thirty kick. Let's hope they they come out maybe a little sleepy. I, I know that uh, they're trying to do everything on their end to get fans um, attending this game. So I, I don't know. I mean, really, you just got to come out ready, and and it, it's one of those games where I think if we can keep it close, we'll, we'll have a shot at the end, but. You don't want to get down early to this team because um, they can really, you know, move the ball and get things rolling offensively. Yeah, it's a – you're right in that Wake Forest. I feel like even though they've been pretty good more times than not since we joined the ACC, they don't seem to have an identity or at least a consistent identity. A couple of years ago, they were scoring a ton of points, but they couldn't stop anybody from scoring. Uh, when we first got in the league, they were more defense-based. And now they're kind of getting back to that. I mean, they haven't allowed more than 17 points in any of their four games so far this season. That Florida State team that we just beat, they beat them 35 to 14. They held a really, what had been a really explosive Virginia offense to just 17 points last week and, and looked pretty dominant in beating them. But I don't, I don't know if it's more about who they've played or if they're that good defensively. I still don't really know what to think about them offensively. I feel like Dave Clawson too. He kind of gets this sort of the, the David Cutcliffe treatment where everybody just assumes he's a nice guy. But I, I don't know. I, I get a weird energy from him just based off the way that he handled like the wakey leak stuff. And he was so, so insecure when they brought up the anonymous Lamar quote. And do you remember the game two years ago? Wake Forest fans have been bringing it up all week. I had honestly totally forgotten about it, but they really thought that they had recovered the last onside kick in the 62 yeah. to 59 game. And he like lost his shit. And I, I can definitely see him as the type of guy who like sees himself as this sort of, I'm a laid back old school ball coach and I do things the right way. But when things slightly go against him, he just loses his goddamn mind and becomes a monster. Like that's, he's a great football coach. Don't get me wrong. Like I think he is sort of what a lot of people in the ACC or he deserves the type of praise that David Cutcliffe gets. Like he has made Wake Forest a consistently good football program, which is saying something. But yeah. I, like, I feel like he's kind of a. <laughs> I'm trying to say it's like not, not terribly. He's kind of like a DL monster. Like, like I feel like there's a dark side of Dave Clawson that only comes out every now and then, and uh, he's probably not quite as nice of a guy as he is as people want to give him credit for. But <laughs> maybe that's just me uh, reading uh, in between the lines. Yeah. I think if any coach in a conference sticks around long enough, you're going to find reasons to not like the guy just because you're in so many battles with him. And, and Clawson just kind of hung around, like you said, 
Um, but there is no denying. I mean, if you win at a program like Wake Forest, you're obviously doing something right. So I'm not, I'm not going to bash his coaching skills, but uh, no, no, not at all. Yeah. I, I totally see what you're saying. I think he, like, you know, he might get this like, uh, happy go lucky, kind of laid back, like running a good program. But like when shit hits the fan, um, that's when we get to see the real Dave Clawson. Here's the thing about Wake Forest that drives me crazy is you've got a solid amount of really good academic institutions in the ACC, right? I feel like the only school that ever talks about it or refers to it in like rivalry terms or when they're going up against a, a different program is Wake Forest. I feel like they always just any sort of back and forth ribbing or taking shots, it always goes back to the academic side for their, their fan base. You kind of felt, I mean, every time you see their fans at games, it's always the polo tucked into khaki shorts, boat shoes look. And it's, it's a stereotype that exists for a reason because every time you see a crowd shot, it's what they're all wearing. But I, I mean, like my Twitter mentions this week has been just loaded with due to have Esquire in their title for no reason who are just like letting, <laughs> letting everybody know that they're attorneys, um, unnecessarily. So who are, are saying things like, you know, the, 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 the aspect of the rivalry that doesn't get talked about enough is that there are very, very real differences between these two schools. And that's part of why there's animosity there. I'm like, what difference are, are you talking about here, Clark? Uh, what, what, <laughs> Clark. <laughs> what, what, explain yourself. And then there was this, this quote on the, I really like the Espionation site for Wake Forest. It's called Blogger So Dear. They do a good job. But one of the, the comment that got the most upvotes or recommended, uh, recommends uh, this week was this one. It was this guy who said, I hate Louisville. And then went on to say, is there a more classless, corrupt, or mediocre institution in the NCAA? Their fans are sleazy. The basketball leadership has literally been criminal. And they may be the academic bottom feeder in a conference full of high-quality universities. Wakey leaks, hookers for basketball recruits, Patino, two rounds of Bobby Petrino, the second after he walked out on his NFL team midseason without a word and crashed his cycle with his mistress on the back how much scandal and disrepute can you can a single university generate if you're crushing another team as the deeks were at uva there's no need to pile it on and run up the score but in louisville's case i'll gladly make an exception well it's a good that thing guy, you're not going to be on the field wfu 76 yeah that guy tweeted that from pinehurst number two in the clubhouse like drinking a, a scotch on the rocks with all his trust fund buddies, but Esquire. Um, yeah. But yeah, to me, I mean, Wake Forest to me is the most forgettable program in the ACC, like even more so than like a Syracuse or a Boston college. Like I sometimes just completely blank at the fact that Wake Forest is in the ACC. So, you know, if they want to take shots at us, that's fine. Like, I don't really know who you are. So, um, suck on that uh, <laughs> but anyways uh now they're probably gonna go win the acc just because i said that but um yeah i don't know man um uh, it, it, it's it's kind of building up like you said as a organic rivalry so uh hopefully our players treat it that way i i just hope like man like the the, the nice part about last week is if you come out and punch someone in the mouth like they did like, it just kind of sets the tone for the whole day. I know Florida State came back or whatnot, but if you can get off to a good start, I mean, that changes the entire game. So 
no matter what, I'm I'm hoping at least on the first drive that we come away with points and it kind of sets the tone for the whole day. I'm with you. Uh, the other reason that Wake Forest, I think their fans don't like Louisville is we've given them, we've been good against them, uh, six and two overall, but we also have the like like kind of gave them the big loss in both of their really good seasons of the last couple of uh, last couple of decades. I mean, 06 was their dream season. They went to the Orange Bowl. We beat them there. And then I didn't realize until reading a bunch of their stuff this week and listening to some of their radio shows how much that loss in 2019 they feel like set them back. Because they were 5-0 and at that point in time. They were number 19 in the country. They felt like they were rolling. And then they sort of feel like they got screwed out of that, that win, which I don't understand. I mean, we were up 28-7 in that game. We, if we field, we let them have what, three onside kicks before the last one? Like, we yeah. could not field an onside kick. If we just field, field one of those cleanly, we run at the clock and game's over. But they feel like that loss just kind of ruined their season. And they've had, you know, they're four and oh for the fourth time in six seasons, which if you look at their final records over the last six seasons, you'd be like, what the fuck? They have a history of starting fast and finishing very slow. So, I mean, I think they're trying to avoid what happened in 2019 that loss kind of serving as a catalyst to them not finishing the way that they would like to they're trying to avoid that the history repeating itself this year but they've really circled this one I mean Dave Clawson made that video encouraging all fans to show up Wake Forest fans are saying that this game is sort of a, a you know barometer of the fan base overall they're going to be judged on how well they show up and how loud they are and all this stuff they're really putting a heavy emphasis on this game and that makes me just more more excited can't believe it's a 12:30 regional sports network game, but uh, you know here we are. It's going to be. Here's a question: Should we trot out Evan Conley for the first play, just as a reminder of what happened two years ago? He is sort of like the Dennis Eckersley of the Louisville Wake Forest rivalry. Just just closes it out. And you forget last year. I mean, again, it's the dumbest rivalry of all time. We've had a bunch of weird games last year. A game where we were just ready for the season to end. COVID had, had not treated us well. It was December 12th. It's freezing. You're ready to be done. Wake Forest hadn't played a game in a damn month. They had, they had gone uh, four straight weeks with having their games postponed because of COVID stuff. They didn't really want to play. But, uh, you know, Louisville, we throw Evan Conley in there at the end both years, and he's gotten it done. So, yeah, I'm with you. He's the weight killer, baby. I love it. The weight killer. Do we have anything I, – I don't think there's anything really basketball-related to talk about. Um, we had – Louisville Live a couple of Saturdays ago seemed to well, go we had, we had the commit from Mail. Um, Caleb Glenn. Caleb yeah. Glenn. We, we locked him down, which I think most people thought was coming. It was just nice to have it officially put out there. And I'll say exactly what I said on the radio show earlier this week as far as the other recruiting uh, nuggets of note have gone. Rodney Rice, clearly the guy in the 2022 class that Chris Mack has spent the most attention on. He was at Louisville Live. I have been told by everybody it went really well. It seemed like Louisville felt like they had the momentum there. You know, leading up to that event, Virginia Tech had been widely believed to be the team to beat because they hired his old AAU coach and his handler and his, his family's all, you know, being roped into Blacksburg and all that stuff. My understanding is it kind of flip-flopped and then flipped back. Like, like the initial buzz of Louisville Live had Rice feeling good. Louisville felt good about him potentially coming there. And then in, in recent days, it's kind of gone back to where it was beforehand, where it'll be a surprise if he doesn't wind up committing to Virginia Tech. Now, weird stuff happens in recruiting. Who knows what could happen? But 
we're probably going to lose into the program that we've beaten 17 times in a row, which feels weird. It does feel weird, and I hope it doesn't happen because just looking at his highlight videos, man, he would be a good one to get. But he's good. I don't know, man. That's that's recruiting. Sometimes there's other factors involved more than obviously just basketball. So um, it seems like maybe that's the case there. Uh, but I, I still have faith that that. Coach Mack can build out this uh, this recruiting class well, um, and like you said, getting Caleb Glenn that's that's a nice start, um, especially someone in your backyard there. So uh, we'll just have to pick up the pieces from there, I guess. Yeah, Caleb Glenn, I think is really good. He's grown a little bit. He seems to have changed his game over the summer. I think he's going to be more explosive this season. I'm excited to watch him play. There's also, and I can't remember his name. I should have looked it up before we started talking about this. There's an eighth grader who apparently is going to play varsity in mail this year who is like the real deal they're talking about when class rankings for his class come out which i mean i can't do the math like 2041 class uh <laughs> he's going to be like a top 15 top 10 player in that class so the local talent there's a little bit of a surge and another one of those local players that people keep asking about is this george washington the third who's playing at christian academy right now and he's He's less well-known than Caleb Glenn and some of the other local players because he just got here a year ago. His dad, I think, came from Texas and was the got named the new girls head coach at Mercy High School. I don't believe he has that job anymore. I'm not sure if he's coaching somewhere else, but they came here just a year ago. Um, George Washington III has lit it up for Cal in the limited amount of time that he's played here. Uh, Louisville has offered him a scholarship, but it sounds like he's just kind of – he's one of those kids who's not – really into playing the game he's not going to have a bunch of info released and you have a new leader every day or put out a bunch of top 10 lists he's just sort of enjoying the high school experience and trying to ignore the recruiting element of it all the one thing that i have heard is that if he does get an offer from duke which seems possible duke is is, is very interested they would be tough to beat but we'll see um interesting times on the recruiting front we we need someone named George Washington on campus. I mean, the jokes write themselves. Like, it, yeah. the possibilities are limitless if we get. They this really. Game. I mean, gosh, how many apple tree jokes can I make in one podcast? Can I also talk really quickly before we get to your questions from Twitter? We had a weird thing happen at the radio. Well, we've had like fifteen weird things happen at the radio show this week. But in the middle of the five o'clock hour on Tuesday, we like. There's usually nobody at the station when we're doing the last half of the show. Everybody's gone for the day. But it was, like, really loud, huge commotion out of nowhere. And me and Trevor, who's my producer, who kind of serves as the, the co-host of the show, were like, what the fuck's going on? And so this guy is, like, opening doors and being super loud. And Trevor is, like, waving him off and shushing him and saying, like, get out of here. Like, quite literally being like, get out of here. We're on the air. It, it turns out it's the guy who owns the company, like the millionaire who owns the media group that, that, uh, that, that we're a part of. And this giant that he's with, is Brandon Bender, who's in the building out of nowhere, and we're like we're like whispering on air. I'm like, is that fucking Brandon Bender? Is that like what's what, what's going on here? I had no idea how to handle it. The man is huge. He's always been really tall, but now he's like, I mean, he's he's like 400 pounds. Like he's enormous. He looks like Mackay Becton, and I mean, it was a bizarre thing to happen because we had just been talking about Bender the week before and all the issues with uh you know him being the AD at Evangel Christian and the KHSAA you know, ruling on him being let go and all this stuff. And I was like, is he going to, like, fight us after this? But it was just a – it was a very, very bizarre thing that happened at the Big X Studios this week. Brandon Bender just refusing to get out of any of our lives. <laughs> I, I kind of wish there was a 
confrontation. That that would have made for uh, great live radio. Um, who knows? He might have been going to get your license plate. You never know. Yeah, what, I was waiting for the owner to be like, here's your new co-host. Like, <laughs> Bender and Rutherford, for three to six every day, where we talk about you know, 13-year-old high school AAU basketball players. All right, are you ready to do some questions from Twitter? Yeah, let's do it. All right, uh, here we go. Uh, Lucas says, does Louisville deserve to be ranked if they beat Wake? That's tough. Uh, I, I would say fringe. Um, and, again, if Ole Miss, like, hangs with Alabama, yep. that makes the case even better. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the UCF win is nice. Uh, but, man, the ACC is so down. Uh, it, I guess it's a little tough to justify. But if Ole Miss comes out like gangbusters against Alabama and at least keeps it within, like, a one-score game, I, I think you can heavily consider it. Yeah, Louisville got three votes in this week's AP poll. I think they got, like, four in the coaches' poll um, or somewhere around there. So there, yeah, people are paying somewhat attention. But if Ole Miss were to beat Alabama this weekend and we were able to beat Wake Forest on the road, you, you could make a case for sure. The thing that's going to hurt Louisville, I think, long-term, as far as rankings are concerned, I don't know how good UCF's going to be without Dylan Gabriel. Yeah, their quarterback out. It may be one of those where it's like you beat, you barely beat. Took a miracle to beat UCF, and they're not even that good. And that could kind of be tough. But if your only loss is to an Ole Miss team that is, you know, I mean, they would be like top five or right outside the top five if they beat Bama this weekend. You could make a case pretty easily. I, my answer to the question is I don't think they will be. But if you're saying do they deserve to be? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you could make a case that they deserve right to be on, on the back end there. Uh, Allen says, if Louisville wins on Saturday, how seriously can we start entertaining the idea that they might win the Atlantic? I say somewhat seriously. I mean, you can at least dream about it. Uh, it would be, it's it's there. I mean, Clemson, I think we all just are sort of expecting them to hit their stride because they're Clemson and they're loaded with five stars. But that offense has been completely disjointed this entire season. Even if they get right, are they really going to be this juggernaut that we've seen for the last five, six years? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't. it wouldn't shock me. I mean, they should have lost their first two ACC games. Georgia Tech should have beaten them. So with that being the case, it's not going to shock me if they drop at least one more conference game. And if that's the case, I mean, you know, there's nobody in the league you can't beat. We, we, we can say it. Here, here's the deal. If they're winning at any point on Saturday, yeah, I'm going to start dreaming about it for sure. Oh, that's yeah. just what my mind does. I'm going to be like, okay, so what day is the Orange Bowl? Like, blah, blah, blah. like that's just what I do. Um, but realistically, I mean, it's going to be tough. We uh, obviously hard game this weekend. And then you kind of look at the injury front, losing Monty Montgomery, losing Braden Smith. Um, so that's a lot to replace there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, that's the best part about winning games is you could, you know, start to kind of have these dreams creep into your mind a little bit about what the season could possibly be, even though most of the time it's unrealistic. You know what's going to happen is we're going to start picking out which team we want to play from the Coastal <laughs> in, the, in the conference championship game. And it's going to sound just like if you go back a month ago when we were talking about which wildcard team we wanted to play. We're like, we're like I'm actively rooting for the the the, uh, the Giants to lose to the Dodgers so we could play them instead of the Dodgers in the wildcard game. It's like fast forward a month later, the Cardinals have won 
37 goddamn games in a row, and we're 17 games out of the wild card. We didn't even come close to, to making it. It's going to be the exact same thing. But, Someone asked us, do you remember that? Someone asked us, like, are we more confident in the Reds or Louisville? And I both think we <laughs> reluctantly yeah. said the Reds. It's like, we were very wrong, folks. That's usually what you get on this show. I mean, that's the Sophie's choice. Yeah. What do you want us to say? Um, Dre says, how much of that AMC stock do you bros got? Y'all apes with diamond hands? I have no idea what that means. Um, stocks are completely out of my comfort zone. I'm familiar with the AMC stock story. I've got none. I don't trust myself to do any of that. Um, Dan, I don't think you have AMC stock. Yeah, I, no, the diamond hands, I think that's a bar stool thing. Um, that's why I but. Don't. Yeah, I don't know. It, I, I like I'm on the same page as you. Obviously, we know that the the stock has been a big story for a, a couple months now. But um, yeah, we can move on from that question. Pete says, "What wide receiver slash running back do we have that can replace the passing numbers of Braden Smith?" Yeah, I mean Braden Smith. I mean, was he our third string quarterback? He threw a fantastic. Didn't throw a great pass on Saturday, but the the touchdown he threw against UCF looked good. Um, if was it was it shape. Was Shea Wirtz? He was a quarterback before, wasn't he? He was at Georgia Southern, and now, I mean, we haven't, we've barely seen him. Uh, I don't, I'm assuming he's back to being healthy. I guess maybe he's our third string quarterback. So that, yeah, that's the answer. Shea Wirtz. There we go. Yeah. It would, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I know losing, losing Braden Smith sucks. Um, but I was encouraged by the wide receiver play, um, at least in the, in the first half, uh, against Florida State. I really think that Jordan Watkins is going to come on as the season keeps progressing. I'm with um, you. And, and I'm expecting big things from him by the end of the year. Yeah, I think you're going to see, based on the depth chart, Josh Johnson looks like he's stepping into that role um, of Braden Smith. He, I mean, he's had multiple serious knee injuries, so he's probably not quite as explosive as he was, but he played well. He's, he's got great hands. He runs Chris Brout's more of a short yardage guy than kind of the explosive player that Braden Smith was. But I'm with you. I feel like Jordan Watkins is, is on the verge of filling that role. He had a made a great catch and made a couple guys miss for his touchdown against Florida State. They're starting to utilize him more and more. And I think now you're starting to see some of these receivers separate themselves from the pack. Um, Justin Marshall's getting more looks. Um, Jordan Watkins certainly is, is in that mix. We haven't seen as much of Amari Huggins-Bruce as – I was kind of thinking after that first, after the EKU game, but he's still an explosive player who I'm sure they're going to find more ways to get the ball in his hands. I feel, I feel good about the wide receivers catching passes and running routes. I don't feel great about them blocking. We, we've got to get the blocking down. They missed so many edge blocks, it seemed like on Saturday. That's got to get figured out. Um, yeah. I, w- one more thing. How go. pretty was the ball from Cunningham to Harold? That's like one oh, of the perfect. more pretty long balls I remember us having in a while. Like what a what an absolute just picturesque play there. So the cool um, thing too about the, the the camera view where they had the camera view behind the defense on one of the highlight videos, and right when he lets that throw go, he starts kind of like running because he sees that he's got Harold in stride and he feels like he's hit him right in stride like he yeah. knew right when that ball came out of his hands that it was going to be six and that was awesome yeah that uh like you said I'm expecting the receivers to progress I think uh as far as replacing um some of the contributions we got from Braden Smith I, I hope we start to get Marshawn Ford involved a little more in the passing game I'm not saying he's not having a good year but um, I I think we can get more out of him, and I look for Scott Satterfield to do that here, especially on Saturday. 
All right, we have several questions about this, so it's time to just address it. Sunday, Teddy versus Lamar, 2-1 Ravens, 3-0 Broncos. It's clearly Teddy's job in Denver. He, he's established himself as the quarterback. He's been great, even though the competition hasn't been great. We know what Lamar can do. We know what happened against the Lions last week. My God, I've, <laughs> send me another reaction video. I haven't seen enough of those. Um, but this is it, it's going to be televised in, in Louisville, WOKY. We're like the only area outside of the, the mountain region and the Baltimore area that's going to get that game in the late window on CBS. People are very excited about this. People are, are demanding that everybody has to choose. I don't think I can do it. Like, I, I don't think I can pick a side. You're, I feel like you're more of a Teddy guy. And, and like when I say that, it is nothing against Lamar. I, I mean, obviously I love Lamar. Brought the university. It's only Heisman, like some of the best moments in our school history. Um, I am just such a Teddy stan. It's unbelievable. I like, I really, truly, like, I think my favorite athlete ever to come to this university. I just, uh, there's literally not one thing I dislike about the guy. I'm so disappointed it didn't work out for him in Minnesota. Um, I thought that was going to be like my sports life, like culminating, like him leading the Vikings to a Super Bowl. Obviously, uh, you know, because of the injury, it didn't happen, but I'm just thrilled that, um, I know that his competition has been terrible so far. I think they're 0 and 9, the three teams that the Broncos have played, but wow. I mean, uh, it just seems like everywhere he goes, if you give him a chance for some reason, I mean, Carolina, whatever, like their fans were weird anyways. I was glad he got really out of weird. there, but, um, yeah, like if you give this guy a chance, like he's usually going to pay it off for you in the end. So I'm really happy that he's doing well. And it should be a really good game. Like Denver's got a really good defense. Uh, obviously Lamar's having a great year so far. So I'm excited to watch it. It's going to be great. My whole thing going into this game, what was, when we first saw it on the schedule and when Teddy first got named as the starter in Denver is I was going to root for whichever guy needed it more. And I thought it was going to be, you know, Teddy needs it more to, to hang on to the starting job, and they're starting to give Drew Locke more snaps. But that's not really the case. And it's not clear to me which which side needs this more. I feel like Baltimore still has the better shot long-term, like is, is a more realistic Super Bowl contender. So maybe Denver needs this more to get into the playoffs down the line when they start playing better competition. Or maybe you know a win would help Lamar more because it would set himself up better in the playoffs they'd have a better seed or something like that like I don't know like I'm I'm I know I'm playing the middle here I know I'm giving the the wimpy answer but I refuse to pick a side I'm rooting for a there are ties in the NFL so I can say this I'm rooting for a 70 to 70 tie let's make it happen (laughs) no I I mean yeah I'm rooting for them both to play well let's just say that I hope like one doesn't totally outplay the other one um but yeah I mean if you're University of Louisville football program I mean the the Twitter better be active during the game. I mean, you want to do everything you can to showcase this game because, um, I mean, you have two, obviously, of the better starting quarterbacks in the league going against each other, both from the university. So that's pretty cool. It is kind of nuts. I know it's been pointed out several times this week, but, I mean, both guys from South Florida, both go to Louisville, both leave after their junior season, both taken 32nd overall. Like, it's pretty it's, – pretty nuts honestly that that we're but it's going to be a great showcase for UofL the Broncos uh, official side has already written about it uh the guy from the Denver Post-Gazette reached out to me yesterday and was was getting quotes for you know story about both guys at Louisville and how the Louisville fans 
you know, feel about both and can't pick a side, all this stuff. It's, it's, it's going to be just a cool weekend to be a part of. Uh, we had another question. I don't have it right in front of me, but there was a question on Twitter saying, is there any sort of like thing you can compare this to with another sport, uh, with past Louisville athletes going head to head or, or anything along those lines? Like what's the equivalent of Teddy versus Lamar in another sport for Louisville? And I really couldn't think of, of another one. I, I was thinking about, like Muhammad Ali versus Greg Page, but I think they were just sparring partners. I don't think they actually ever fought. If you know, maybe if Donovan Mitchell and Terry Rozier went head to head in the NBA Finals, but I don't think that there's anything that really can compare to this. It's the most important position. They were here for three years. They both came to Louisville at very important times. You know, Teddy kind of took us out of the bad place after Craig Thorpe and, and put us back in it's like being relevant in the college football world and then Lamar took us to a different level brought college game day to town won a Heisman trophy like it's it, like it, it's there's nothing you can compare it to I don't think yeah I'm I'm racking my brain right now just thinking I was like maybe there's something in baseball but you're right I mean I, I'd say from a like Louisville competitor versus Louisville competitor standpoint um this is the highest level that we've reached so definitely should be fun to watch the other basketball note, and I, I say this, I'm bringing this up because there's a basketball question coming next. We found out yesterday the Louisville-Kentucky basketball game on December 22nd. We knew it was going to be a Wednesday already. 6 p.m. tip. I like That's, it. You like it? It's early. I, it's Here's the deal. It's at Kentucky. I want it to be the wonkiest start time you could possibly okay. think of. Now, okay. if this was at Louisville, like, I would want prime time, you know, 8 p.m., Saturday night, fans, right? Like, we're talking about a Wednesday at six in Lexington, like right before Christmas. Like this is great. I, I'm I'm all for it. I like where your head is. I'm thinking selfishly. Like I'm on the radio until six. How am I? Like, how <laughs> I work myself into a pretzel over this game every single year. Like a week before it starts, I'm I'm too nervous. I'm too worked up to say anything that's coherent. How am I going to be talking about this game? Fifteen. I'm going to drop like fifteen f bombs. It's going to be terrible. <laughs> I've got no idea how I'm going to handle it, but whatever. And for fans who are mad about you know this game, you know, they have they have to play it so early because originally it was going to be on ESPN two. They moved it to ESPN, but ESPN has the I think the Armed Forces Bowl or something like that at eight o'clock, so they have to give it the six o'clock start time. This is always going to happen when you're playing the game where it's played right now. If you're going to play it in late December, if you don't want to move it, you're always playing second and third fiddle to all these bowl games. It's the way it's going to work. You're never going to be in the spotlight. You're never going to get the the type of attention nationally that you feel like this game deserves. And if you're fine with that, if you want to say, look, it's Louisville, Kentucky. We'll watch this game if it's at 3 a.m. on a Tuesday morning. We don't care about what the rest of the country does, then so be it. But if it makes you mad that, you know, we don't get the Duke, North Carolina treatment or even the the Champions Classic treatment, well, you're going to have to advocate for the game to be moved earlier in the season or later in the season because this is going to keep happening. That's uh, it's all I can say. Do you um, want that? Would you want it moved later in the season? Yes. I've been I've been a proponent of that for years. I know I'm in the minority. I put a poll out. I feel like every single season when this comes up, and most Louisville, most Louisville and Kentucky fans want the game to stay where it is, I would love to have it in early February, right in the middle of conference play. It would get a lot of attention. It would be a nice little, you know, move away from conference play. I couldn't think of the right word there. I don't think it would be a distraction. I don't think it would be, you know, the, the team gets too high or too low and they, they're not up for ACC or SEC play afterwards. I mean, if you can't get up for North Carolina because you just beat or lost to Kentucky, then, then what are you really doing here? I think it would be perfect, but 
that's me. It's not going to happen. So, yeah, uh, I mean, it, it makes sense. I, I get it from both sides. Like, uh, we, this is kind of how it's always been. People are comfortable with it. Um, it's it's something to look forward to around the holidays. But yeah, I think from a if you want kind of more eyeballs from like a college basketball you know standpoint, it, it would probably be more beneficial to move it later in the year. Paul says, what's your prediction for Louisville basketball in the six games that Chris Mack is suspended? Well, I mean, they open the season with, they'll play Southern, who's not very good. Um, they'll play Furman, who's, uh, Furman's had a, a good program. They should have, have a, that'll be a decent test in game two, but they should win it. Navy, kind of the same way. I think they're going to have a good year. They're one of the favorites in the Patriot League, but you should win that game. Detroit, all, all respect to Mike Davis, <laughs> you should win that game. And then you have the two Bahamas games where it's Mississippi State in game one and then either Maryland or Richmond. I'm going to say five and one. What say you? <laughs> God. <laughs> that call is killing me. All right. I'll take it from here. So five and one is your prediction. Well, I, here's the deal. We've always, I feel like since Chris Max got here, we've started out pretty good. I feel like we play really good ball like at the beginning of the season under him. Um, so I don't know. I'm not saying we're not, I mean, we could easily go five and one. Am I going to be like totally bummed out if we go four and two? No, not really. I mean, this year, I really hope that our play, we do a better job of our play progressing throughout the year and not, it it just seems like we peak so early and whether that has anything to do with, with, you know, the way Chris Mack approaches you know, early season practices or games, I have no idea, but that's just the way it's worked out. But, um, I would, I would love our team to slowly progress and maybe add more stuff throughout the year to where we're peaking around March. Yeah. I mean, the thing though is that's your maybe easiest stretch of the entire season. So if you don't go five and one, that's a significant issue long term. Cause when Matt comes back, you're playing Michigan State right off the bat. Then you play NC State to open conference play. Then to Paul, baby. And then Uh-oh. you go into that stretch where you've got Western Kentucky and UK to end December. And then right after that, it's, it's ACC play. So you need to take care of those first four games against, you know, kind of the, the bottom feeders on your non-conference schedule. And then my guess is I think they either beat Mississippi State, who's going to – I'll be surprised if Ben Hallen doesn't have them as a tournament team this year. I think you either beat Mississippi State and lose to Maryland – or you lose the Mississippi State game and beat Richmond the next day uh, or two days later. So either way, you're getting a decent win. Mississippi State would be a much better win than Richmond, but I'm going five and one. That's how I feel, and I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh, Adam says, "What's your expectations for our backcourt this season? Can we replace Carly Jones's production between our new rotation?" Well, I hope so. I mean, it's going to be a different type of rotation. You're not going to have anybody who did what Carly Jones did last year as far as usage rate. But like, We're not going to have anybody who I think has the ball in their hands as much as Carly Jones did last year, which is a good thing. As great as Carly was, the only reason we played the style we did was because we didn't really have any other options. Uh, it was him and David Johnson and, and, or Bust. And I think between – I mean, you've got a number of guys who can play back there. You've got Jared West. You've got L. Ellis. You've got – uh, Mason Faulkner, when he gets healthy, you've got Noah Locke, you've got um, Mike James. I mean, we're going to find out exactly who can do what pretty early on this season. But I, I don't, I don't really know what to expect from our backcourt. 
because I haven't seen a lot of these guys. I, I know what to expect from Noah Long. He's going to be a knockdown shooter at the two-guard position who handles it well enough to make some plays, but for the most part, he's going to be an outside shooter. I don't know what to expect from Jared West. I don't know what to expect from L. Ellis. I don't know what to expect from these other newcomers. It's going to be – I'm just as in the dark as everybody else when it comes to this stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's I'm, – I'm sure early on in this season, like, Mac probably is not going to have – even though he won't be there, but, like, the coaching staff probably isn't going to have a really good feel either until maybe they get a couple games under their belts. It's probably going to be, like, a flavor of the month type deal to where, you know, the game is trending one way, so they might play one player whose strengths fit the game. Um, but I think over time, like it usually happens, you'll see one one or two players kind of separate themselves a little bit. But um, going into the season, it's nice to think that we have all these options. But I think by the end of the season, you'll you'll see the rotation kind of condensed down to the guys that have you know sort of separated themselves from the pack. Yeah, Franz uh, Franz has a question that kind of is a follow up here. He says basketball. Who's the point guard? I see several good scoring guards. I see good defenders, but who distributes? Based on here we go, Card Chronicle podcast scoop. Let's based go. on based on what I'm hearing and kind of seeing on, on on social media, my guess is that for, at least for the first exhibition games and probably to start the season, you're going to see Jared West start at point guard. I mean, he's been voted, voted captain. The players all kind of refer to him as PG. I've been thinking this entire offseason that it was going to be L. Ellis. I still think when all said and done, you're probably going to see L. Ellis be the team's starting point guard. But to get going at the beginning of the year, I think they're going to go with Jared West. But who knows? I mean, maybe he gets outplayed at this exhibition game that's going to, or this inter-squad scrimmage that's going to happen in two weekends. Maybe he doesn't look great in the exhibition games. There's still a lot of, you know, we haven't really, we're just now getting into the full session practice. I think that started yesterday. So, I don't think they're 100% sold, but I think they're leaning towards starting Jared West at point guard. But that could easily change. I mean, I, I, I honestly really and truly believe the coaching staff is just as curious as we all are about who's going to step up and what backcourt rotation is going to work the best. I think they, they, they feel good about their options, but they're not exactly sure how all these pieces are going to fit just yet. Yeah, and I mean, it, when in doubt, I think it, coaches usually tend to lean towards especially at the beginning of the year, kind of the, I, I don't want to call him a safer play, but maybe he's more of a sure bet. I mean, you've seen him play at a division one level. Um, so like you said, I mean, it, it's probably, you know, it could be temporary. It could be long lasting, but um, I, I, I think they, they maybe want to see uh, a little more from L Ellis, you know, just from what, you know, I've kind of heard from like a, you know, keeping the ball, uh, as far as cutting down on turnover standpoint. But, I mean, that comes with time. It, it, it's really just about getting out there in the games. I mean, I, I know we're kind of saying the same thing over and over, but we really won't know until they start playing. Uh, how about this? Louisville Bats have a question for the podcast. Oh, here we go. The Louisville Bats ask, what's better at the ballpark, brats or hot dogs? The people need to know your all's take. Ooh, at the at the ballpark, I'm a hot dog guy. Now, it's hot dogs. I, hot dogs. If, yeah, if I'm if I'm on a golf course, like making the turn, I'm going brat all day. But at at the ball game, definitely a dog guy for sure. I've tried to get into brats multiple times in my life. I love the smell. I think that they're like, I just I don't I don't like them that much. They're fine, 
I do not like them anywhere near as much as I like hot dogs. That's my answer. Dogs. Oh, I'm see. I'm actually. I'm, I know. I'm a bigger brat guy, but um, at, at a game, it's just a rite of passage. You got to get a dog at the game. We go right from the Louisville Bats to your brother, Colin Sennard asks, <laughs> "Can Hot Rod Charlie get it done at the Breeders' Cup on Saturday? Breeders' Cup class?" <laughs> It's like, well, we know Colin's digging into the old Twin Spires <laughs> account. Um, <laughs> uh, good to see you there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, I, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm a little out of the game. You're going to have to kind of go over the contenders with me. I think, I mean, Nick's go is going to be the favorite. Yeah. I will be surprised. My, I mean, my answer to Colin is I don't think Hot Rod Charlie can get a ton at the Classic. Um for his sake, I hope he can, but I think Nick's go is going to be really tough to beat. Um, I mean, was Nick's go like the Belmont second place horse the year Justify won? Ooh, I don't know. Wasn't wasn't that Gronk's horse, or am I thinking of something else? I like for some reason I thought it was Gronk's horse like back in the day, but I know like he's like just kind of been steady on the trail the last year, or so. Um, He's running yeah. this weekend, I believe. Yeah, I, don't he is. Know. I, I think no, I think you're right. He is, is that right? This weekend, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, there's still some time for things to shake out here, but um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of excited. I mean, it's sneaking up on us a little bit. It always does. I, I feel like I always, I always think about, I always remember that it's the very beginning of November because I remember the year that we beat West Virginia with Charlie Strong. It was that same day, and it was, like, the greatest day of all time. Like, celebrate the win on the road uh, over West Virginia, who was ranked, and then get to bet on horses the rest of the day at Churchill Downs. Fantastic. Uh, Mandaloon also is, you know, I guess going to get some attention. I don't know, really know why. Maxfield. Uh, I'm sticking with Nick's go. I think he's going to be really, really tough to beat. Love Brad Cox. Where, where is it this year? You're asking me a whole bunch of questions that I just don't have the answers to. I, it might be Churchill. I, is it a Churchill? Am I, I wrong? I don't know. Maybe I, I could be wrong on that. I don't know. Yeah, this is bad. I should we should I should have been more prepared for this. I feel like I usually am far more into it. I have not been, like, following horse racing that much the last couple of months. We, um, we've got our ass kicked on Breeders' Cup, like, numerous years in a row. Like, I'm almost, like, dreading going into that day because I know I'm going to reload and just get my ass handed to me. I've done – when I have bet – it's at Del Mar this year, by the way. Um, oh. I, if I can go to one track, I think I'd probably go to Del Mar. It just looks fantastic. I'd love to go. Um, but I've actually done pretty well. And I've kind of, like, taken myself away from betting the last few weeks just to make sure that I've got those funds in my in my account <laughs> for uh, for early November. But, I mean, we're going to have a newborn baby. It's going to be tough. I'm going to be distracted. That's uh, true. We, I handled that very poorly. I feel bad about it. Steven says, what's the latest on Dave Ragone? I love that we've gone – we've come full circle in a month of Louisville football. It's gone from Satterfield's done, let's bring in Dave Ragone. Then it was, like, Dave Ragone's not getting it done with the Falcons. Let's bring in Jeff Brom. And now it's back to, I think, Satterfield's the guy. So, I mean, yeah, that that Falcons offense, not doing a whole lot. The Dave Ragone movement has has been dealt some big blows the last couple of weeks. Yeah, things have stalled for sure. That's, a, that's an understatement. But, um, yeah, I mean – when your team wins, the rumors get a little quiet. So um, let's just keep winning. And I mean, love my guy Dave Ragone, but hopefully we uh, we don't have to hear his name for a little bit because that usually means we're doing well as a team. Alan says, "What are your three favorite things about Jeff Greer?" Um, 
Great hair. I'll give him that. Love his wife, Elizabeth Rules. And um, I'd love to see him back at the Courier. I'll, I'll say that. I think that there's doesn't a... Doesn't he have like a really... He has a good-looking dog, if I remember. Lily's fantastic. She's a sweet dog. Love Lily. But the Courier, I think they're, uh, you know, they have a opening for the new the UofL basketball beat writer. I don't know if I'm just speaking out of turn here, but I think they'd love to see him back there. And I'd love to see Jeff Greer writing regularly about Cardinal basketball. He's he's good at it. So maybe we'll get that soon. Let's see I what think, yeah, was his last season the national title season when he was doing that? No, he's, dude, he, <laughs> he didn't even get here until after the national title. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm an idiot. Yep, you're right. I, I forgot His about first that. season, I think, was the season after the national title. So if you want that's to blame him for anything, yeah, you, we, we're definitely not giving him credit. We're blaming him, actually, for what's happened to the basketball program since he got here. Who was, uh, on, who was on the beat for the national title team? I'm, I'm, like, blanking here. Was it Brian Bennett then? That's what I was – thinking but i don't remember anyway sorry i know i'm going off track here asking a lot of questions here on the pod Dan. um asking a lot of questions yeah let's see here uh how often are we going this is from chase how often are we going to have to see that shitty wake forest commercial on america's favorite rsn broadcast wake forest wake forest they do show it all the time it's going to be bad um let's see here okay Julissus asks, I don't think I'm pronouncing that correctly, but you're trapped on an island and can only have an unlimited supply of one of these. Which are you bringing? Crab Rangoons, rolls from Texas Roadhouse, one shot of Woodford Double Oaked per day. I mean, I, as much as like it would be nice to have a little liquor there, I, I don't know if I'm going to go that route. So uh, I'm probably going to go rolls from Texas Roadhouse. They're delicious. Give me the crab. Let's make it rain. Uh, that's, right. that's what I'm. Uh, Catboy, Mike. What are your favorite scary movies for Halloween? Dan, do you have a? You're not a big scary movie guy, are you? Uh, I would be. My wife is just not into them, so we don't really watch them all that much. But um, I, I guess growing up, I did. But lately, like the past like 15 years, not really. I love the original Night of the Living Dead. I watch it every year uh, around Halloween. I think you know. It, I, I think it still has aged pretty well. Um, I loved It Follows, which was kind of more recently. I liked um, The Descent. I thought was a really good, scary movie. Um, let, me, let me ask you this. I saw that Halloween is coming out with another sequel. Like, yeah. Has anyone milked anything harder than Jamie Lee Curtis's Milk the Halloween series? It's truly unbelievable. It's it's amazing too how every single one they they try to do like an end like this is the last one like Halloween H two O Halloween Water his head literally got cut off and then the, <laughs> like the next, like three years later they're like oh yeah it was an imposter he's uh, he's back and I'm just like come on like I, I, I the Halloween genre the Halloween franchise has, has pushed this thing as far as it can go they need to just go ahead and back off it's done Kevin says uh, name the Mount Rushmore of cereal hmm I mean I could do All mine. Right. I don't know about like overall, but mine would be Cheerios, oh Lucky Charms. Yeah, I love Cheerios. Cheerios. Like solid. Honey Nut Cheerios or just Cheerios? regular Cheerios? Regular Cheerios. Number one. No, okay. I'm just saying. Uh, I'm naming my Mount Rushmore. Okay, gotcha. Cheerios, Lucky Charms. Uh man, Frosted Flakes probably. Yeah, throw Frosted Flakes in there. 
And then Fruit Loops. Fruit Loops is in there. Okay. This is a good question. I'm going to go Count Chocula. Whoa. Um, I'm going to go Cocoa Puffs. I'm going to go uh, – here's like kind of a – whoa, I can't believe Dan said this. O's? I love O's. O's are <laughs> phenomenal. Like they're crunchy. They don't get soggy. They are so good. Um, and then fourth, I will go uh, – man, leaving Cinnamon Toast Crunch off is, is tough, but I'll probably go uh, Apple Jacks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love Apple Jacks. I respect the O's contribution way more than the Apple Jacks. I do not like Apple Jacks at all. Not a fan. You're, that's your loss. Uh, Fully Vax Diddy says, what would you do with Louisville Gardens? Um, probably memorialize it as the place where Rajon Rondo dunked on Dan several times in one game. True story. That's, that's all I can think of when I think about I mean, Louisville Gardens back in the day, the region tournament was always there. The LIT was there. Shit, we, I mean, our graduation was at Louisville Gardens. Yeah. From high school. Um, I, I, I kind of, I do kind of miss it. I feel like every time I walk by it downtown, it just looks like it's sitting there doing nothing. I would restore it and have events there. I mean, that's pretty straightforward. Yeah, but like, what events are you gonna do? I mean, you have the Yum Center for you know big time events. It's tough. Like, if you're like kind of one of these tweener arenas, like the one in Cincinnati right next to Great American Ballpark, like you know they're not really doing anything with that. It's tough to really kind of showcase these things or have anything for them um especially when you got other venues in town so i don't know you'd, you'd have to think long and hard about it i don't have an answer off the top of my head i know that really doesn't answer anything but um i wish they would do something with it i think it's so weird that now all the big high school basketball tournaments in the area are played at valley and i know that they created that gym for that purpose like it's the only one in town that has a high school gym that has the, the proper dimensions, the bigger dimensions and the seating capacity and all that stuff. But it's, I mean, it's a what six region school. They play the seventh region tournament there. I just, I, I would like a more centralized location. I thought it was cool when it used to be at the gardens and, but you're right. I mean, I, I get where these in between arenas are having trouble finding a place, but you can still have more graduations there. I, I know a lot of schools do it at their own gym or now they're doing it at Bellarmine, but I don't know. I, I, I I, I just hate to see it kind of waste away. I'd like to see something be done with it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a got good a question. ton of history, which, like... Yeah, my dad played there back in the day. Yeah, I mean, Muhammad Ali had fights there. I mean, like, it's uh, it's kind of sad to see the suits in now, but, yeah, I'm kind of reaching here for answers as well. Rick says, Dan, your Ryder Cup reactions, keep it under 30 seconds. Well, we had the golf thing going on, me and you, while the Ryder Cup was happening, so we didn't really get to watch a whole lot of it. From what I saw, uh, quick reaction, like, I, even though, like, Bryson kind of, like, changed the mold a little bit as far as being a villain, uh, I'm still not, like, a huge Bryson guy. Um, I'm glad that they won. It seems like Brooks is becoming a bigger asshole by the day. Uh, Justin Thomas seemed like a lot of fun. I, like the guy that's grown on me the most that I think I absolutely love is Colin Morikawa. I absolutely love that kid. I think he's going to be amazing. Um, I'm a fan of pretty much everything he does. So I'm a Morikawa guy now. This is sort of a, I think a follow-up question to that one from Austin says, are y'all shotgun the beer guy or take a knee and chug the beer guy? Uh, we saw Justin Thomas and Daniel Berger chugging the beers on the first tee. I think it was JT who got down on one knee. I'm, I'm a shotgun guy. I mean, again, 
we're talking about ourselves in past lives because we're, we're neither of these things anymore. Yeah. We're a sit down with a glass of red wine and try not to pass out at 10 p.m., guys. But if, if we're in that situation, and we had to do it a couple times last weekend for, per the rules of our golf scramble, um, I'm more of a shotgun guy than a take a knee and chug the beer guy. Yeah, no, 100% shotgun. Um, I'm not a great chugger. Um, You're terrible. I'm pretty the, bad. Um, once referred to as the guppy based on yeah. your your inability to chug for more than one second at a time. I, I've grown. It was it used to be really bad, but now now I feel like I've gotten a little bit better. But, yeah, I'm definitely a shotgun guy. Alex says, how many times would Greer have to ask you to host his podcast before you said yes? Just one time. I've been on his podcast before. If I was going to co-host it, I mean, he'd have to pay me, like, at least five figures, but I would definitely do it. Um, let's see. I mean, everybody wants to know Teddy or Lamar, Teddy or Lamar. Um, Joshua says, do you think Malik will play up to a level of a late round pick this season? That's going to be tough. I mean, you don't see guys, I mean, you don't see guys who play more than four years in college taken in the draft hardly ever. You really don't see them if they're big guys that are injury prone. So, I mean, he would have to be just over the top dominant, I think, for that to happen. But look, he'll get he'll get paid to play the game somewhere. That's that's all you can ask for. Remember the quote at the beginning of the year where they were like, "Yeah, he's gonna like run out of bounds more and not take as many hits." Um, I'm still waiting for that to happen. He's taken some shots so far this year, um, which like I mean, he's been great at running the ball. I'm not saying stop running, but uh, God, he had a couple like third downs on Saturday where it's like the Florida State secondary just would come flying up from out of the screen and nail him. So uh, I'm I'm just hoping that, you know, yes, I want him to run, but I also want him to be safe doing it as well. I just now realized that this question was about Malik Cunningham and not Malik Williams. I answered it as far as Malik Williams. I was like, late round pick, uh, but only two oh, rounds. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I wouldn't even pay attention to your answer. So there we go. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, my answer is kind of the same. I, I think it'll be tough for Malik to play his way up to a level of a late-round pick. But, hey, you never know. I mean, he pro- I just don't think he has the arm strength to be an NFL-caliber quarterback. But I thought so, too. And then he threw that ball on Saturday. I was like, Jesus, that was like a nice-looking ball, but we'll see. Yeah, it's it, it's a good college arm. I think he's good. He, kind of like Lamar, he's really good with throws over the middle of the field. But when he has to throw to the edges, that's when like, that, that zip it just doesn't come – just doesn't come out of his his hand like an NFL quarterback does. That's, that's the best way I can put it. Um, we can I know we're running long here. We can end on this one. Uh, if Louisville wins on Saturday, this is from Peter. If Louisville wins this Saturday, what are your expectations for the rest of the season? I think they definitely go up. I mean, I I don't remember what your preseason prediction was, Dan. I had them going seven and five. If they win this Saturday, my expectations at least go to them winning eight games because you feel like you should beat Duke in, in Syracuse that puts you at six right there. And then, you know, Boston college, NC state, Clemson, Kentucky. And, and I know there are a couple of other games that I'm, I'm just not thinking of Virginia, Virginia. Virginia. And then there's one more. Um, uh, who's the other coast Atlantic team that I'm, I'm leaving off regardless. You've got, yeah. you still have six conference games and then you've got Kentucky, you should be able to win four of those. I, I feel confident in saying that. I know NC State's looking pretty good. I know Clemson is still Clemson. I know Kentucky is, you know, God's gift to football right now until they lose to Florida this weekend. But 
I, I would feel good about Louisville. I would expect Louisville to win at least four of those last seven games if they're good enough to get the job done on Saturday at Wake Forest. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd, I'd say that's a pretty fairly easy answer. If they win Saturday against the team that's ranked um, on the road, yeah, that definitely raises expectations for the year for sure. Um, I think I had them at six and six. Uh, I, I think they'll probably do better than that, like at least seven and five, I would say. But um, let's just take it one game at a time, even from a fan standpoint. Just focus, <laughs> just focus on Saturday before we start jumping ahead. It's going to be a tough one. So um, I think they'll be ready. I really do. I, I think they're going to come out hungry. I think they're going to come out inspired. They got a lot to play for, a lot on the line. I'm excited. I mean, this is what we wanted all year. And it's finally here, so let's strap it up and go. Yeah, I'm I'm very, very excited about this game. All right, if we didn't get to your question, uh, our deepest apologies. We had way too many on Twitter today. Dan, do you have a Dan of the Dump story for this week? Well, you stole it with the whip. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. Now now I'm blanking, but we'll we'll do one next week. Okay. I feel like you did something else stupid. This, or you fell off your deck last night too. We can, that was true. <laughs> we're we're redoing our deck. Um, we got we got rid of it. We're getting a patio. And last night I completely forgot that we uh, got rid of the deck and it was dark out. And I just opened the door to take a step out on our deck and fell three feet off onto the gravel <laughs> patio. So uh, yeah, uh, just a, a, a small mishap that nobody saw, but pretty embarrassing nonetheless. That's a good one. That, that counts. Yeah. Damn the dumps. We got it done. Uh, reminder again, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. It's the easiest way to find out when new episodes are out. Also, we love it when you give us a, a nice rating, leave us a review. We read the reviews on the podcast. No new reviews this week. We are we have 599 ratings. Let's get oh, one more. So close. We need one more before this game on, on Saturday against Wake Forest. Let's get the vibes right. That's going to make it happen. Give us one more five-star rating, and we'll be there. Uh, and that's uh, that's it. We've talked long enough. Let's get this done on Saturday. Let's have another celebratory show next week, and let's start dreaming some crazy thoughts. That's what this win on Saturday would do for us, and I can't wait to make that happen. So until we talk to you guys again, go Cards, beat Wake Forest. Go Cards.